As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Hello, Talent Magnet community. I just wanted to uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode. You are going to hear from one of our faculty, Don Frerichs, who is leading an extraordinary leader series as a part of the Talent Magnet platform. Don is one of our longstanding faculty members. He's an incredible coach, an incredible leader, and he is highlighting extraordinary leaders as a part of this series. So we hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. And without further ado, I turn it over to Don. Okay, we're live again. Today, we're glad to be with you. This is Don Frerichs with the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, and this is the Extraordinary Leaders Series. I am guest host for Mike Sipple today, and with me is Josh White. Really excited to have Josh joining me. Hello, Josh. Good afternoon, Don. Good to be with you. Let me tell the listeners a little bit about Josh's background. Josh is a passionate talent magnet executive with a global experience developing strategies for multiple Fortune 500 companies over the past 15 years. He has been nationally recognized for his work by Chief Learning Officer Magazine and has designed learning and development departments for several industry-leading organizations. He is a servant leader that is focused on leading the right way and coaching professionals to help them reach their potential. And today, I think you'll get plenty of evidence that that's exactly right. That is who he is and a dear friend and somebody I'm glad to be talking to today. So again, thanks for being with us, Josh. Yeah, my pleasure, Don. I'm excited to spend some time with you and and talk about one of our favorite topics, leadership development. Very good. Well, let's get started. Let's talk about some of the things that occur to you from a development standpoint, Josh. You are someone that's in an environment that isn't known for a lot of heavy people development, and you're able to make incredible things happen. I've seen it firsthand. You have developed a program in the place where nothing else existed before. The environment that you're in is a corporate environment, over 5,000 employees that doesn't necessarily always see the value of employee development, but you're making some great things happen. Help the listeners kind of understand what it is that you do as a leader internally to make good things happen, because that's not easy to do. Yeah, I I think, you know, Don, you and I both know leadership is so important and it's such a responsibility and it's a privilege that many of us have to be able to steward people. And in any organization, you have to be able to equip leaders to be able to lead people the best way they possibly can and in a very authentic way. And I think for me and within our organization, what we're trying to do is help people figure out what does leadership mean to them? How can they lead in an authentic way, understanding what their strengths are and putting them in a position to be able to have followers that want to follow them for the right reasons. And, you know, it's things like being effective communicators. It's being adaptable and being flexible. Um, It's being present. Simply times like right now, right, where there's a crisis and things are difficult and where leaders really have to rise up and lean in. And so in our organization, what we're always thinking about and with our department specifically is how do we help those leaders have a voice that's authentic, that creates an environment of trust where people want to follow? And as you and I both know, leadership isn't easy. It's always a journey throughout your entire career of how to be a good leader, both understanding yourself and leading the right way and putting your best foot forward, but also understanding what people's needs are 
and helping them through those challenges they might face day to day. Josh, one of the things that I've always admired about you is that you don't just talk leadership well. You did a beautiful description there of what leadership means to your organization, but you also role model it in a beautiful way. And I'm just curious about your own personal journey. Have you always been a good leader? Did you have to work at it? When did you first notice that maybe you could lead others? Tell the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, you know, I think it really starts with being surrounded by other leaders that really care about leadership and really kind of experiencing what it feels to be led the right way. Mm. And for me, I've been very fortunate to be around some really great leaders that were fantastic role models for me. And it really kind of started to help me kind of understand the importance of leadership and the responsibilities that come with that. And for me, I think it really starts with, I've always truly cared about people, both what matters to them, what goals they had for themselves, both personally and professionally. And when I had the opportunity to become a leader myself, I think that's really kind of what I led with was I want to be a good leader for these people. I take on that responsibility wholeheartedly. And something I think about a lot and try to reflect on a lot. And through this journey, I've continued to look to others and take from some of their strengths and equip myself with those kind of same tools to be the best leader that I can be for those around me. But it's a journey. As you know, Don, it's not easy being a good leader. It's something you have to think about and work a lot at and be reflective day to day. And sometimes you step wrong and you got to be okay with that and take a step back and go, okay, I got to learn from that and I got to do better next time. And I think leaders do that. They reflect and, and they try to put their best foot forward under the circumstances that are in front of them. There's no doubt the complexity of leadership just always seems to overwhelm me when I start to think about all the layers of it. We like to talk about emotional intelligence. Both Josh and I believe that's such a big component to, to leadership, but that's just one component. And, you know, on top of that, then it might be your preferences of style, whether you're looking at it from a Myers-Briggs standpoint or a social style. But then you've got the emotions that are between you and the other person and the energy that you created. There's all these challenges because it's not static. It changes all the time and it's different for each and every person. And then you're trying to lead a whole team. The complexity of leadership is huge. How do you think about it from a perspective? Like when you guys are designing something for your leaders, how have you in the past been able to kind of whittle it down into what matters most for a group of people that you're going to provide some learning and education and training for? I think there's three different aspects to it that we think about from a leadership development perspective. And and Don, you and I have talked about these three quite often. We truly believe leadership starts with self, that an individual has to be able to understand their own strengths, their own style, what makes them an authentic leader and professional, and how do you lead day to day just as a professional in general. From that, we also develop leaders And the next kind of area we focus upon is once you can lead yourself effectively, now you need to start thinking about leading a team effectively. And what does that look like? How do you set the course for your team? How do you create an environment of trust? How do you help put people in positions where they can be successful based upon their strengths? And how do you attach that team to the overall mission of the organization? So people feel like they have purpose in the roles that they play. And then from that aspect, we kind of help leaders start thinking about leading through the organization and understanding how does their team coincide with other teams within the organization? What role does their team play? And where are those dependencies that other teams are relying on your team? And helping team members on your team understand organizationally, where are we going as a company? And what important role do you play in that? Mm -hmm. Um, And what important role does the team play in that? And how can you think about more things from a big picture standpoint? And so when we think about leadership and we kind of build out our leadership development programs, 
it's really those three areas that we put a lot of emphasis on that we think makes a well-rounded leader. That makes a lot of sense. You talked to when you first described leadership, you're talking about strengths and authenticity. Is it hard from your perspective as the designer and the sponsor of programs to help people discover what that means? You know, like I'm a different leader than you are and that's okay. But if we're sitting in the same class or going through the same leadership training, it kind of comes across as we need to be doing the same things. How do you balance both of those extremes? One being, I need to be a leader in my own way, authentic and genuine to myself. And then I also need to be practicing skills of leadership that might be consistent across a, a group of people or your whole organization. Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, and I think that's the challenge is trying to build a leadership development program that is somewhat of a discovery for those individuals mm. going through. We all kind of reflect on our strengths and kind of know what we're good at. We understand our fears at times and things that make us reluctant. A good leadership development program, I think, starts asking some really tough questions for folks, some thought-provoking questions about what's your life purpose? What are things that are important to you? Understanding your style, both from a personality standpoint and things that are important to you and just in general life. And I think through a good leadership development program, it really helps people understand what are the foundation and fundamentals of leadership, right? Because there are those, those that, that foundational building blocks that you need to build upon. But how do you do that in a very authentic way based upon your personality, what's important to you in life and from a professional standpoint as well? And then that's when all of a sudden that authenticity comes out. The best leaders are those that are able to really execute upon the basics of leadership, but do it in their way where people can feel it and know that it's authentic and it's coming from a very empathetic place. And I think that's what makes extraordinary leaders is knowing your strengths, putting yourself in the position to help people be the best they can be and doing that in a very authentic way, but also using those competencies that are critical from a leadership perspective. That's huge. Do you find that the authentic part is more difficult or the foundations is more difficult? <laughs> I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I think it depends on the person in yeah. some ways. Some people are at a point in their life where they're trying to still discover themselves. And it's fascinating, and you've seen this too, Dom, in doing our work with you, is some people can be deep in their life and still not completely understand their life purpose, Yeah, um, have never thought about it, or they don't take the time to reflect about how they're coming across to others, or the type of leader that they really want to be, or be remembered as. And so you start asking people those type of questions, and it's pretty thought-provoking. It makes a person take a step back and go, wow. What type of leader do I want to be? Or how would I want to be remembered? Or what would my people say about me? And I think that it, in that situation, authenticity all of a sudden becomes very relevant and comes to the forefront. Or you might have other leaders that I think are very authentic. They are who they are. They have a decent understanding of themselves, but they really want to sharpen the saw, so to speak. They want to be able to say, hey, I coach today, but I want to be a great coach. I don't feel like I'm a great coach. Or I set a mission for my team but I'm not sure if it's a clear mission or not. And so they could be very authentic with their team day to day, but maybe they just really need to sharpen the saw, so to speak, and those skills and those competencies will make them great. I like that a lot. I think that's really powerful. You're making me wonder if we challenge people to think enough, and you and I are talking about, let's talk about it directly, journaling and reflecting you know, in a, in a meaningful way. And I'm just thinking about our listeners that may not have a leadership development program that they can tie into or Maybe there's just no way that they can get corporate support to do that with the organization that they're currently at. But anybody could do this type of journaling and reflecting on what kind of leader they are and what happened today and 
what did they do well and, and what didn't go so well and what could they do better tomorrow, right? I mean, you don't need a corporate program for that, right? Yeah, you're exactly right, Don. I think that there's so many things that you can do as a professional and from a leadership perspective to be better. And a lot of it is things you're kind of talking about is being reflective on the day to day. It's journaling and kind of reflecting on what you're doing well and maybe what could have gone better. Asking for feedback on a regular basis. Having that feedback loop is so important to be able to kind of get feedback from those around you, those that you lead, asking questions like, hey, what can I do different to be a better leader for you? And being vulnerable that way and asking those type of questions, asking those questions of your manager of saying, hey, how did I do in that meeting? Is there something that I could have done different that you think that I could have been more effective? And being open to that, reflect on that feedback, and really be intentional about that behavioral change. Do you think the majority of people don't ask for feedback? People say they like feedback. Yeah. I'm not sure anybody really likes feedback at the end of the day. That's just my opinion, right? And of course, I think feedback, if it's done in a constructive way, is so meaningful, so powerful. It opens up the blind spots that each of us have in certain ways of how we're coming across. But I think there's a fear of that, right? There's a fear of saying, hey, I look weak if I ask for feedback or I look weak if I say there's something I can do differently. It's quite the contrary. I think when you ask for feedback and you ask folks for what you can do better, it's coming from a place of strength because you're looking at saying, I'm comfortable in my own skin and I want to do better and I'm being vulnerable here. And if you can give me feedback to do better, then I'm looking for it and I'll take that and and do something with it. So Great question, Don. I don't think everybody always asks for feedback because feedback hurts sometimes. I think we all agree <laughs> with that. In addition to what you said, I think sometimes there's a risk to feedback that we just don't know what we're going to get. And because we're scared, it's going to be critical and it may hurt. To your point, people stay away from it and therefore they don't ask. And the other thing I'd add is like, there's a lot of cultures that are not feedback supported. Culture itself doesn't encourage people to go out and ask the way that you're talking about. And And it's hard to step outside of the culture. But I want to say to our listeners, hey, if you really want to grow, what Josh is saying is asking for feedback is a huge idea, regardless of whether or not your organization supports it or not, regardless of whether or not your boss supports it or not or gives it or not, you can still step outside of that and do it in a really strong leader-oriented way. Would you agree with that? I think you're exactly right. When you think about feedback and those kind of discussions, it's a lot of times it's based upon trust. And when you're in an environment or you're in a company that doesn't necessarily have a great foundation of trust, it's difficult sometimes to ask for that feedback. You feel like you're exposed or you feel like there could be consequences if those things are brought up. And so it really becomes a situation where once you have that trust with individuals and you can have those discussions, I think that that feedback can be so rich and so powerful. And it's a two-way street, right? You can also give them feedback and help them be better as well. So yeah, you're, I think your point is very valid, Don. Sometimes, like you said, if we look at self team and organizational leadership, those three components, the self-leadership sometimes means we have to take risks and step outside of the comfort zone that's around us. Josh and I like to refer to this idea of the comfort zone and the learning zone, and the learning zone is always outside of the comfort zone. So if your organization doesn't support asking for feedback, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. That just means it's not comfortable. And it's okay to say that. It's not comfortable and I want to learn. So therefore, I'm going to approach the people that I can approach that will give me the best feedback for their insight. Josh, would you like a little feedback yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm always open to feedback for sure. Josh doesn't know I did this, so I asked for some feedback about Josh as a leader because I know that this might be valuable to him. So here's the first point that I I got about you, Josh, that your ability to really listen is incredible. Here's how it was described. Josh leads from an empathic place 
and he knows when and how to listen such that people feel truly heard and understood and that what they have to say is important to him. Sound accurate? Wow. Yeah, that's so thoughtful. I appreciate whoever gave that feedback. I, I try hard to listen and be a good listener that way. So that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. Nice of you to ask for feedback <laughs> on me, and, and I'm glad it ended up being something good. So that's fantastic, Don. Thank you for sharing that. Help the listeners. I think listening is one of those breakthrough skills for a leader. That you know, One of the reasons why I love working with you and love being with you is that you're that feedback's exactly right. You are a really good listener. You not just listen to the idea, but you listen to the heart of the idea. You listen to what is not being said as well as what's being said. You listen to the emotion. So your your listening is at a lot of different levels. It's not just this surface level active listening. Is there anything you can describe to our listeners that you've, as you said, practiced to become a good listener that might be useful to them? When I was you know, younger in my career, there was a gentleman, I have no problem saying his name, John Frank. He was the guy that I worked with. He was head of IT for a company that I worked for. And I always was so impressed by John. And one of the attributes that John was really, really stood out about, stood out about him was how great of a listener he was. And what I realized in my interactions with John was, you know, I always thought leadership was always having the right answer. And it was always telling me, right? It was like, you've got a problem. I'll tell you how to solve it. And what I found is I respected John so much more just because he listened. He was, he was in a position that I knew he had all the answers. At least I thought he did, right? I respected him so much. And he was a senior executive in, in the company. And I was a lower level manager at the time. But John always made time for me. He always listened to some of the things that I had and the thoughts that I had. And at the end of the day, he was pulling out a lot of information from me and helped me grow as a person by doing so. And he really didn't have to tell me a lot. And I always respected him more because of that. And so I think from a leadership perspective, people want to be heard. And it's important that you give them opportunity and space to have a voice. And as a leader, you have to be able to create that space. And what it does for you as a leader is it gives you an opportunity to be able to learn about that person, learn what their thought process is, learn where they're coming from and what motivates them and inspires them. And it helps you navigate and lead them better. And because if you give them a chance to be able to say what they believe and what they think, then it gives you a better idea of how you can engage with them in a way that's meaningful. And so sometimes people aren't always looking for the answer. Sometimes they just want to be hurt. And at times you have to be okay with that. There's oftentimes where I have an opinion and I want to give that opinion, but I hold back until the right time to be able to be able to express that and express it in a meaningful way. So, yeah, I think those are kind of some of the things that come for me is I respect people that listen. So I try hard to be a good listener. And I think you can learn a lot as a leader when you listen to your people and where they're coming from. That respect is so powerful. I think you said earlier that you really just care about people and you're always trying to be a good leader for them, that you're not just trying to be a leader for a leader's sake, but you're trying to express to them how valuable they are. And I think one of the ways that I've seen you do that is through your curiosity about what other people are thinking about, that it's a genuine curiosity. Could you maybe share a little bit about how you do that for our listeners, again, that might be looking for ways to improve themselves as a leader? Just how do you use curiosity in a way that enables that, that deep listening that you were just talking about? You know, as professionals and as people in general, life is a journey, and you're always trying to find ways to gain more knowledge, gain more insight, you know, hopefully to be the best person you can be and best professional that you can be. And there's so many smart people with different perspectives around you. And it's important to be, be open to what their thoughts are 
and be mm-hmm. curious about the things that they know. You know, my dad always used to say, all of us is smarter than any one of us. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and go, wow, there's so much I learned from my team just by listening to them, by asking them questions, understanding their perspective, where they're coming from. And it not only helps us be better as a team, it helps me be a better leader for them because I feel like I'm coming from a better place of knowledge and insight about the situation, about the task that we're working on, the mission that we're trying to accomplish. And so I'm always very curious on what people's perspectives are because, again, at the end of the day, I don't have all the answers, but I think collectively we can get to a good place if we all have a voice in the room and share that voice and find out where can we come together to be the best team that we can be. I hope our listeners heard you speak about your beliefs. So you really do believe that collectively our answer is going to be better than if it's just your answer. You've lived that way. Thanks to your dad for giving you that idea initially, but you've lived it completely. I always worry about the leader who is so smart that they've been promoted time and time again because that they're intellectually above others and can hold on to a lot of information, a lot of data. They see things very quickly. They get to answers more quickly than anybody else. And rightfully so, they should have important roles in our our companies and our corporations. But I worry about them as leaders because they get so stuck on their view of things because they just get there faster and they learn to love them, (laughs) their view, because it's so right to them, right? They just get stuck on it. And I just worry so much about those kind of leaders because they don't have the mindset that you just talked about. You've seen that before, right? Oh, Don, I mean, so often, right? You have those leaders that are so, so smart. You appreciate their intelligence, their insight, their ability to your point to solve problems and be able to come to the answer very quickly. And a lot of times you find those leaders that they get frustrated with their teams. That Why don't their teams come to those answers as quickly as they need to? And what they don't realize is they're becoming a crutch for their team. And so they're not having to independently think. They're not thinking critically because they can just go to their boss and get that answer very quickly because they always have the answer. And so that's why it's so important, I think, for good leaders to be able to ask questions, help people think through the process that you already think through very quickly Mm -hmm. as a smart leader, so they can think independently. They can be empowered. They don't have to come to you for the answers every time. And then that's all of a sudden you have a high-performing team. That's when you have people that feel like, hey, I can think about these things independently. I can think critically on my feet, and I can come to these conclusions without asking my boss for the answer every single time. Because at the end of the day, They know how smart you are. Mm -hmm. They know what you bring to the table. You don't have to demonstrate that day in and day out. But if you can develop them in a way that's meaningful, where they can get to those answers themselves, then you're going to be a much better team at the end of the day. And your team's going to be able to accomplish a lot more. Yeah, there's no doubt. I see every decision, every problem that needs to be solved as a developmental opportunity. And for our listeners, if you're working for a boss that makes all the decisions, solves all the problems. It's going to be tough to develop your own skills. You can certainly observe how they do that. But perhaps one of the things you do is ask for permission to be involved with some of those decisions or to actually make some of them or solve some of those problems. Because the more you can do that, the more you can grow as a leader. And But sometimes we take up too much space as a leader. So if you're doing that, what I'd say to the listener that might have the blind spot that they are maybe taking up too much space is let go. Let other people be more involved. Use your smarts to engage others so that they have to use their brain power to figure out the answer and the solutions. And you will be richly rewarded because your team will be much more productive than they have been in the past. Yeah, that's great, Don. I completely agree. I know we wanted to talk a little bit about how to lead during a crisis since everything we've been going through with the pandemic. And 
one of the challenges seems that it's difficult to figure out how to touch people's hearts and to be there for them as we're potentially maybe having layoffs and putting people on furlough. And there's an uncertainty about when we're coming back to work or how we're coming back to work and all that. What are some general thoughts you just have and about leadership during this crisis? Maybe the, the stuff that you've seen that works for leaders and maybe things that you've seen that doesn't work. Yeah. I think we would all agree that it's a challenging time right now. And we're all impacted in different ways based upon the environment that we're in right now, both from a health perspective, both from a sociological standpoint. You know, there's a lot of challenges. And you think about the needs that we have as people, a lot of those are being compromised right now. You know, you think about Maslow's hierarchy of need, you know, from a physiological needs, you know, just from very basics like food. You know, you think about a couple of months ago going to the grocery store and trying to find bread or trying to find meat or something as basic as toilet paper, right? You become very unsettled by that and start thinking about your safety needs. You know, people are, to your point, being furloughed and safety and security is being impacted by that or people being terminated from their jobs. Or, you know, you're starting to see just statistics about people buying guns and the behaviors that it's changing in us just because the needs are being compromised or a sense of belonging, knowing that, hey, I'm working remote now. I'm not seeing my team on a regular basis or I've been furloughed from my organization. Mm. And I don't feel like I have that connection anymore to a company that I've poured my heart and soul into. And so I say all those things because now more than ever, you and I both know we've been talking about the importance of leading people. But now during a time of crisis, leadership is that much more critical. Mm-hmm. And leaders have to lean into that because people are looking to be led. They're looking for someone that can help them through this, can create some stability, to can be able to kind of reduce the uncertainty around them. And so the things that a leader has to be thinking about right now is, how can I be strong in the storm that's in front of me for my people? Of course, mm-hmm. as leaders, we're still feeling the same pressures. We're still feeling unsettled by what's around us, but we have a responsibility to our people to be able to be there for them. And that's making sure that you're communicating with them on a regular basis. It's acknowledging the reality, but at the same time saying, this is where we're going, going as a team and going as an organization. It's that regular touch points that you have to continue to engage with them, even when you don't have the answers and being flexible and adaptable to the day-to-day, knowing it's a fluid situation, it's changing on a regular basis. And so times like these, that employees are looking at their employer or looking at their leader and thinking, are they there for me? And do they care about me? And are they committed to me? And they will remember because this time will pass, as we know, and they'll look back and they'll remember the type of leader that Don Frerichs was or the type of leader that you know another person was. And it will definitely impact if they want to stay with that organization, if they want to continue to follow that person. And it's a big responsibility for leaders today to be able to make sure they're leaning into that and doing the right thing for their people. Very well said. I uh, would like to give you some more feedback because this is something that I think all outstanding leaders are doing. And this is what some of your people think about you, Josh. So they said, Josh's consistent ability to project an aura of calm and confidence is what people gravitate toward in difficult situations because it gives them a sense of reassurance that every problem, no matter how dire, has a solution. I love that because I think that's the other thing that needs to be said to our listeners about this difficult time is that even though there aren't a lot of answers, we can still bring peace. We can still bring calm. We can still bring a steadfastness. We can bring a sense of resiliency. We can bring a sense of positiveness that this will work out even when we don't have the answers. But I think that probably goes back to what you first said about the three aspects of leadership, leading self, leading team, and leading organization. If you can't lead yourself to that place, 
as well as you have, Josh, uh, then it's really difficult to lead others in that same way. And you're recognized as being an extraordinary leader because you already do that for yourself and then you hand that off to others as well. It's just very natural and authentic for you. So thanks for being a good role model. Man, thanks for sharing that, Don. I appreciate that. At times like this, that we're all looking for hope. And to your point, we might not have all the answers and there might not be the clarity that we all would like to have, but leaders have to create some sense of hope for people that we will get through this because we will. And you've got to be able to show that you're confident in that and, and be able to kind of share what you know and share the path that you think that we need to take to be able to get through it. And again, it doesn't mean you have to have all the answers because a lot of times you won't, but it doesn't mean you have to disengage because you don't have the answers as well. It's challenging leading in times like this, right? But we have a responsibility. That's the roles that we play. And, and we've got to be able to step up and do what, we, what we're supposed to do, what we're challenged with. That's a huge idea. You just said, don't disengage just because you don't have the answers. And I love that. If your perspective of being the leader is the person that has all the answers, you might be in trouble at this time. So learning to not have all the answers is a really big idea and a concept for extraordinary leadership. Today, Josh, you've talked about so many different things. I've taken a lot of notes. I hope our listeners have as well. Uh, you've talked about the power of, of knowing your strengths and being able to learn from others and pay attention to what those great leaders are doing and learning how they care about people and bringing that, that outward focus towards them and practicing respect through listening and not just hearing what's said, but what's not said and using what happens to you and what occurs around you in a reflective manner so that you can learn from each and every circumstance that you have as a leader, using curious questions and being able to use those to let people know that you really want to know what, what they know and what they're thinking about and, and maybe today what they're feeling because what they're feeling does matter, that we do as leaders have a strong sense of, of owning that space that what their experience of life is right now and work is important to us as a leader because we really care about them and try to create that sense of security in some ways. And when they're weak, be strong for them. And when they need encouragement to be the courage that they're looking for. Having said all that, thinking about leadership development, what are we missing? What are some big ideas that, you know, you had thought about that maybe our listeners could benefit from? Is there anything that occurs to you as we're kind of wrapping up that this might be something our listeners should know as well? I think the thing that comes to mind for me is the impact leaders have on the day-to-day. And what I mean by that is a lot of times you'll hear leaders say, I'm just too busy to develop my people or to have those conversations or that's learning and development's responsibility or that's HR's responsibility. And, you know, the one thing that I would say to that is every day there's teaching moments. Every day you have an opportunity to be able to develop your staff to be better. And a lot of times it's just, looking for those opportunities, taking the time to be able to have those discussions. It's asking the right questions to be able to get them thinking about the right things. And as leaders, knowing that times aren't going to be easy for a while and the environment's volatile. And so how do you use this opportunity to help people grow in the moment and help them reflect on being the best professionals and people they can be? Of course, you want to be able to rely on HR to be able to provide programs and done I'll say for you, you know, you're one of the best leadership development facilitators I know. Mm. A lot of our programs are successful because of the work you've done with our people. And it's funny, people coming out of our programs two or three years later are still calling you and still looking for your perspective, which says so much about you. 
And I think that's great. Leadership development programs can be very powerful and it's neat seeing people grow through those. But as a leader of people, it's the day-to-day that you can make a tremendous difference for your people. And it's just taking the opportunity to be able to look for those situations where you can help people grow. Oh, that's so uh, powerful. It's very simple. And I love simple ideas that everyone can put into practice. And I hope our listeners got the full value out of that. It's not a class that you have to go to. It's not a podcast you have to listen to. It's not a book you need to read. It's not a workshop you need to attend. It's just paying attention to life every single day and noticing what's happening to you and what you can learn from it. I think, as I've said before, extraordinary leaders are extraordinary learners. And Josh, I know that's the platform that you've created so many times for your people to say, okay, we're going to put you into a rigorous learning process so that you can take your leadership up to that next level and become extraordinary. There's nothing more rewarding than seeing people at the end of a leadership development program say, this changed my life. You know, and Don and you and I have seen people in those classrooms that last day when we're wrapping things up and you can see them kind of give their testimony about what this program did for them. And I think it goes back to what you and I talked about is asking those questions that maybe they've never been asked and reflecting on things maybe they've never reflected on. I think the biggest time you see a change in people is when it's an emotional change. And one thing that I think you've always done an amazing job at in facilitating leadership development programs is you touch people in an emotional way that makes them think differently. And that's where real true behavioral change comes from is when there's an emotional attachment to it. And I think that's what makes you special as a leadership development expert, Don. And I've learned a lot from you through our programs about how to lead people in a way that they can be emotionally touched and change behavior in a very positive way. You're very kind. You've touched my heart. Thank you so much, Josh. Your wisdom is incredible, but uh, your friendship is even more incredible. So thank you. And thank you to our listeners. We appreciate you being on the podcast today. I hope that you've pulled away with at least one thing. I bet you have multiple things. And you might have a question for us. And Josh and I would love to answer your questions. All you need to do is go to talentmagnetinstitute.com backslash podcast. And you can leave a question there. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. And we again, thank you for being with us. And we hope that you got value out of it. And we'll be back soon for another broadcast of the podcast series from Talent Magnet Institute, The Extraordinary Leaders. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.